Hey guys, I'm Kira and you're listening to my show Inspired Lives live every Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. But today I am absolutely over the moon to be joined by Kate Burrows. Now she has a long-standing kind of career in radio, but also she is the owner of West County Willows that is based in Athlone or in Roscommon, Ireland. And again, they provide all these different workshops throughout the Midwest, rural Ireland. Kate, how are you? Good afternoon. I'm good, thank you, Kira. It's nice to meet you. And um, yeah, we're not in Athlone, we're <laughs> near Castle Ray. <laughs> Sorry to correct you. <laughs> you're okay, you're okay. <laughs> it's West Country Willows. West Country Willows. And um, we're in Ballinlock. Ballinlock as well. Yeah, yeah, not far from Castle Ray. Um, we're in the middle of the bogs, opposite Loch O'Flynn and um out in the wilds there so yeah it's crazy really um, crazy beautiful and we love it absolutely and can you tell us your journey to get to <coughs> well we've been in ireland about four years now and um i had no plan to come here whatsoever but oh god where do i start right well um i've always been interested in um living naturally and sustainably and yeah. off-grid and always had a dream to be self-sufficient and grow all my own food and make everything from scratch and i've also been kind of obsessed with making nests do you know what i mean ever since i was a young age i always wanted to drape a blanket over two chairs and get underneath it and make dinner for everyone you know a weird obsession for a three-year-old to have but i always have and um so yeah that kind of spurred me on to start learning about 15 years ago i started learning about permaculture and sustainability and off-grid stuff and um the next stage was really we wanted to do it all of ourselves not just be learning about it and seeing it on youtube we decided we wanted to live that kind of lifestyle and just didn't know where to begin Yes. So we started off by just doing a veg patch in our back garden and then we got chickens and then we got ducks and then I wanted to have goats but I couldn't really do that in a cul-de-sac so um, we had a very small piece of agricultural land in Devon and we decided to build a roundhouse over there and go and live over there um i didn't quite know how we were going to achieve it i just kept watching videos on youtube of other people that have done it people like tony wrench i don't know if you've come across him yeah. who's in wales and there's a, another group of people called um the lamas yeah. and they've set up an off-grid community i just became really obsessed with it so to start with we moved to our piece of land in devon in a caravan and um decided where we were going to build our roundhouse in the woods i've always been drawn to the woods and the kind of comfort that the trees bring you and and the silence amongst the trees and the peacefulness amongst the trees they kind of hold you in their kind of warmth and darkness and i always felt at home you know in amongst the trees so that was where we decided to put our roundhouse we didn't really know what we were doing but we were going to go for it anyway we had no money we had no tools um but luckily the piece of wood on our agricultural land was um all chestnut trees which are perfect they're sweet chestnut which are perfect for building oh, 
Okay. So we created a, a round clearing in the space where we wanted to build by yeah. chopping down some of the sweet chestnut trees, which had actually been planted to be coppiced. And they're perfect building material. They're really strong and straight. They were grown quite close together. So they made the perfect building poles for a roundhouse. So we started by chopping those down. We had lots of friends and we got those to come and help us and started making the frame for a roundhouse. And we made it a little bit too big, really. It was about 30 foot across. When, yeah. And when you mark something out on the ground, you don't realise quite how huge yeah. it's going to feel once you've got all the walls in. Absolutely. Um, we couldn't afford to make like a log cabin or anything like that. So we were basically just working with raw materials that we had on the land, which is something that all of our ancestors would have done throughout time. I guess it was, I suppose, tradition back then, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, throughout time, you know, a around the world, everyone has built houses using what they've got right there on their own awesome. land and what we had was chestnut trees lots of mud because it's devon and it's very much like ireland in north devon okay it rains a lot and yeah. it's muddy <laughs> but that's probably ideal though for what you it was time, so yeah. ideal so we built the frame a round wood frame using whole trees and um and then we needed to make uh, a floor and the walls so we made a pallet wood floor and we made straw bale walls and then we cobbed on top of the straw bales and cob is just like a mud mixture. You mix it with a bit of sand and some water and some straw until you've got like a sort of a cookie dough kind of consistency and then you slap that on the walls like plaster. And we built a reciprocal roof and then on top of that we had more straw bales for insulation and we had some sheepskins up there as well that a friend gave us and we grew grass on the roof so you couldn't really see our house at all it just looked like it was part of the landscape because of course it was made from the landscape but that's the thing it's so harmonious with nature it and really I do think was. we've lost a lot of that yeah. the way when you think about it. like it's not natural I suppose to look at big big blobs of concrete and that we're kind of a lot of people stay indoors all the time and it's yeah it's until you've been them, like, in a roundhouse yeah. and woken up in the woods to the sound of oh, the birds singing and the stream babbling along it just felt so right and i became hooked um on that whole way of living and um a friend of mine was a basket maker hmm. And a succession from that was for me to go and learn natural crafts. And I learned basketry and became obsessed with that, with making baskets from the materials around me and using what's natural and what's around me. And, um, yeah, I've learned lots of other natural crafts as well along the way, like sheepskin tanning and um, wool spinning and things like that. So, so we're better to take inspiration than from yeah i just love it i'm life. obsessed with it so we were living in this round house and i'm learning all these natural skills and um eventually the planning authority came along and said okay. you can't live in that house there you've got planning permission and we didn't really you know we were quite naive really we just didn't think everything through properly and um we stupidly just jumped at our dream and didn't really think anything would happen. <laughs> but they came along and said, you can't do that. So um, a friend of ours set up a petition to save our roundhouse. Yeah. And it gained the um, attention of all the press. 
and we've got right. 60,000 signatures on there. Um, and very soon we had all the newspapers phoning us up, wanting interviews, turning up at our doors with all their cameras, and we became overnight famous. <laughs> we were in The Sun, The Daily Mail, The Mirror, The Times, and we had this morning ITV, you know, mainstream television phoning us up and wanting us to go on their show the next day. And, uh, it's just a, it's a whirlpool, isn't it? We oh, just... my God, I couldn't believe it. I didn't, you know, we went there to live a quiet life, you know, with mud and sticks, and, um, and we had the press in our face. We went to the shop the next morning, and everyone knew who we were. Everywhere we went, everyone knew who we were, and we just weren't expecting that. We weren't... Well, this is it, I suppose, for the idea of, I suppose, living off-grid yeah. to becoming, like, online yeah. famous. We were, we were world famous. We had German television, Russian television. Um, I had a friend on holiday in Africa mm. tell me that someone had mentioned us to them in Africa. And um, people couldn't believe that we weren't allowed to live on our own land in a house that we'd built ourselves using natural materials, it, like. doing no harm. Yeah, yeah. Why weren't we allowed to live there? So, um, yeah, we couldn't understand it either. And we yeah. thought that this petition would save our house. Yeah. Um, and we went to appeal with the council. Mm -hmm. And we got a lot of advice and help from various people. But nothing we could do would save our roundhouse so one day i was on facebook yeah. um and all was lost you know uh, everything was we were trying to think of the next thing we were going to do yeah. and it was starting to look like we might have to go and live in a bed and breakfast somewhere or something yes and we had goats and geese and chickens oh, and no, sheep and all sorts gone. at this point yeah. And we were living, you know, on the land, and we it's just felt way to be. Just, it really was. Natural and again, yeah, they I'll just wanted to take it all away from us, and and we didn't know what we were going to do next. But I went on Facebook, and I yeah. was on an off-grid Facebook page, and someone on there was offering a house in Ireland, um, and the deal was that we had to pay five grand a year for six years, and then we'd own it. So wow. okay, I phoned this lady up and yeah. and said all right let's go for it then you know we've got nothing to lose so we came over and um took on that house but then after a year it turned out the woman didn't actually own it so we were in another position then and um we got out of there we only wasted five grand on it for the first year okay. and it got us over That's here yeah. you know yeah and so yeah we got out of there and and found somewhere else to buy with the money from our agricultural land in england and um so now we've got this house in ballinlock we own it outright we've got an acre and a half we've got Great. goats again we've got geese again and chickens and we've built a roundhouse in the back garden that's now my basketry workshop and we've just started cobbing it I've got a fire in there and I feel like I'm back home now. I feel like, you know, um, our dream is coming to life again. You know, after years it, and years and years of sort of turmoil with this, really. You know, we went down this, Sorry. what we thought was a simple path yeah. and ended up in all this mess. <laughs> oh, I, I can't believe it. And here's the funny thing, guys, for y'all listening in. Um, about a year ago, I took up interest in looking into, like, people who live off-grid lifestyles, whether that be maybe living on a sailboat or maybe that be living in a cob house. And little did I realise... <laughs> Kate, who was sitting in front of me, 
um, her, a video of Kate in her um, lovely roundhouse came up and I was watching this, it would have been May of 2021, in my room one, one Sunday afternoon, just watching this video going, oh my God, what an amazing thing to be able to <laughs> live in nature. And just, I was so inspired by it. And I remember just looking at this video and here's the funny thing. I only found out today, guys, that this is the same Kate I was looking at on the screen. And I'm just amazed how, I suppose, I suppose the journey of life and how you ended up in Ireland. Crazy. It's crazy, and uh, yeah, I don't know how we ended up here. It feels like a dream now, it really does, and uh, it just doesn't seem real, what we've been through in the last five years. You went global. Yeah. You went international. Yeah, we did, yeah. <laughs> when we came to Ireland, we first went to a, we started doing a market in Galway straight yeah. away with our baskets, mm. so this lovely guy called um, Paul Murphy, I don't know if you know him, he runs the tiny traders markets in Galway and um, there were people that knew us that had seen us on this morning, you know, and um, we get that everywhere we go now, you know, people, but, you know, it is starting to die down a bit because it's five years now that that was, but yeah, I do feel like I'm living in some surreal dream. It's a beautiful um, story. Yeah. I hope you write a book one day. Maybe, I'm going to be, <laughs> be one of your biggest fans. <laughs> but tell us, if people want to go and make the baskets, with, how can people sign up for your workshops? Yeah. What dates are you coming up for? Oh, um, I can't remember the gate, dates off the top of my head. You'll have to bring them up online, Kira. But um, no. what we're doing is be beginner's basketry at the moment in the roundhouse in the back garden. And you can come and learn how to make a basic basket. And um, it takes about three and a half hours. We start at 10 o'clock in the morning. And um, it's 70 euro each. You get all the materials and all the tools and all my expertise. And I show you exactly what to do. And you go home with your own basket. And we will be doing other workshops eventually. We're still building the area up there. And um, we will, in the future, be doing tanning, natural dyeing, spinning. Um, I've recently learnt how to do salmon skin tanning, so I'm going to be teaching that as well. What is... I, I've actually never heard of it. What is... Um, well, I haven't heard of it. You, you can get, you know, if you catch a fish, um, salmon or anything with a fairly thick skin, yeah. you can actually tan it like leather. And then turn that into straps or shoes or you can make a bag out of it or a purse. And you can dye that as well. You can dye the salmon skin um, with natural dyes. I'm, I'm totally obsessed with doing everything from nature with the abundance that we have around us. I'm also obsessed with growing food. So you grow um, all your own as Yeah, we grow all our own food. We've got goats and we eat all of our own goat meat and we turn their skins into rugs. And we use the horns. I um, put, um, like, beeswax in them, and we use that for the basket tree to oil up the sticks when we're passing them through. So I'm totally obsessed with making everything from scratch, from what's around us, using what we've got natural, naturally in abundance in nature and not going out and stripping the planet bare. Yeah. Um, buying all the stuff that we don't need. We're, mm. I think mankind is obsessed with stripping the planet of, of all of its resources. So. And this idea of more and more and more. People aren't in touch anymore with our indigenous ways of being, you know. Um, 
throughout time people would just use what's around them that's what they would do and they would you know just walk everywhere and use what's in their own environment and i want to get back to things like that and i want to teach other people that things don't need to be bought you know in in fact you actually appreciate things more if you can make it from scratch yourself or water you know when you turn on the tap it's just so easy if you have to go and fetch your own water and clean it and use it you're not going to waste any Absolutely. if you have to build your own your own chair from wood in in your garden from a tree you're not going to wreck it you know you're not gonna you're going to take good care of that thing throughout your life it's not going to be something you throw in the bin which is what everybody has that mentality nowadays you're able to make your own chairs and everything yeah we can we can do everything like that anyone can and and all of our ancestors would have done they would have made all their own clothes all of their own buildings all of their own food we we all have the ability to do that. We've just forgotten this, you know? I think so. And it's, you know, it's funny. I've talked to a lot of people in their late 20s, early 30s, and I suppose even 40-year-olds, and the pressure that is on people today, you know, to get the, you know, the job that earns X, Y, Z, yeah. so they can have the mortgage. And they're stressed all of the time, and they're not necessarily sometimes the happiest people you come across. Not at all. People that have oftentimes less is more totally all all of our you know our grandparents Mm. um would have done everything that they could you know my mum grew up with a compost loo in the back garden you know whereas now we're obsessed with using drinking quality water to flush away our waste which is so wasteful Mm -hmm. especially with all the droughts going on in the world at the moment my grandparents were, were using compost loos they were going out and they were hunting Um, rabbits and pheasants to eat every night they were growing all the vegetables in their back garden and all of their apples and making jam that would last all winter you know you didn't have all the array of foods that we're used to now out of season you know most people would have just had a basic meal of of meat with a pickle and maybe a piece of cheese and and a slice of bread and that would have been most meals and some soup maybe for the rest of the time and people would have thrived on that, you know. Whereas now people are becoming sicker, there's more diseases, there's Very more true. diabetes, and it's because of all the chemicals that are present in everything now because our, all of our systems are so unnatural mm. and so mucked about with. Nothing is basic anymore. We need to go back to basics. I strongly feel this. I'm really passionate about it. And everything I do... Is about that going back to basics and learning those basic skills. I got there through being really poor, and I think that mankind is coming to that point again mm-hmm. now. And mm-hmm. I think all of those ancestral skills are, are, are going to save us. I think so because again, it's like then you know the skill. If once you've that skill in your hand, no one could take that away. Yeah. From yeah, you, you can make a bowl to put your soup in. You can make a spoon to eat your soup with. You know, you can go back to that level of basics and just think how that will feel to have that bowl that you made in Mm. your hand with soup in it that came from your garden and a basket that you made to go out and pick your blackberries with, that you're going to make your pudding with, you know. Imagine how fulfilling that is for your soul. Well, our lives nowadays have come away from that so far and we're all wondering why we're feeling so disconnected and so out of touch. It doesn't need to be that way. 
you know communities would have worked together years ago and people would have grown pigs on their land and processed them together and they would have used that whole animal every single piece of it i think there's a saying that the only things you didn't use were, were the squeak and the tail and all the rest of that animal would have been used and the same for everything else you know now all those things go in the bin you know my local butcher he has to um they have to send most of the products off away to be burnt somewhere because people aren't interested in eating offal anymore people aren't interested in using the skins or um making use of everything you know the bones used to be used to make china and all this sort of thing and now none of that's happening now it's just all coming in a plastic packet and uh there's there's no use for the waste anymore people don't want it people want convenience they want ease you know but with all that convenience and ease comes illness and disconnection and, and a big lack of of community and love you know which is where we're going wrong now i think we need to come back to where we should be and and i want to try and create that in my very tiny little piece of this world i'm trying to live and walk that walk and share it with others and i i feel so strongly about it i think it's so important um i can't stress enough how important i think it is that we go back to this way of living and embrace the way our grandparents and great-grandparents would have been you know living on the land producing everything from scratch this and walking the walk you know this is exactly it and i remember seeing um something on youtube before i don't know if anyone's heard of it but it's called the earthing movie and it was about this man yes. who he takes off his shoes and he walks in his bare feet on, on the soil and things like that and he i think he had cancer but it cured him it's the idea of the electrolytes in the ground and yeah charge up through the body and just like Kate, you are someone who walks your talk. You're probably one of the most realest people I've ever come across. And just been beautiful to have you on today just to share. Because it's like anything else. It's the people who are actually living and breathing what they talk about. And that lifestyle. It's just so inspiring looking at that and how you're just so in nature and you can even guys looking at Kate now like she had her lovely cloak on and she just looks really natural and her skin <laughs> is glowing so she's really I'm really hot actually she, I'm not used to um, is it central heating in here or something I'm not used to it I'm boiling <laughs> so she's fabulous and she's just herself and you can feel that peace radiating off you so thank you so much oh, for thank coming you, thank you and telling your story and guys do check her out on YouTube because <laughs> no one's to me today I didn't realise they're you're, you're quite the hit on youtube yeah yeah probably absolutely. So, <laughs> go and have a look at their journey it's been beautiful and i suppose we'll be back talking with you in a few moments i've got to play a track now and then i will be joined by susie in studio and we're going to be talking all about how women can change career and go into all diversities and i suppose women and both men you don't have to stick to one track be free to be abundant in how you ebb and flow through life and we'll also talk about some of the creative um, aspects when it comes to being a creator of art sometimes you go through creative blocks sometimes you go through successes and challenges and failures but it's all a part of you know the perfect stew so we're thank you so much Kate though thank you and thank have you. a beautiful day thank you so much you're listening to Ross FM 94.6 
Myself, Kira Lawless, are joined by Susie. Hi. Hey, Susie, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, Kira. Good to be back. <laughs> Absolutely, I've had you on a few times now. But tell us, we were chatting about this outside of radio, and I said, what you said to me, and I said, what a great idea to bring this onto radio. Creative blocks for artists, and again, the successes, the trials, the failures, the whole lot, the ebb and flow. Yeah, because it was interesting when, when I was here the last time and we were talking about this like amazing career yeah. and all these interests that I had. And we got off air and I was like, wow, gosh, I, I sound amazing. But then I went, what people don't see is all the struggle that goes on behind the the times where you really doubt everything that you're doing, the mm -hmm. times where you will never think you're good enough or... Absolutely the times where you will go to such an extreme that it's it's bordering on on manic because yeah. you're trying to achieve something and you don't think you're going to achieve it and even right down into the the depths of depression mm -hmm. because that this creative muse is is so intense and sometimes it's like a flood through the mind and the body and you just you don't know where to turn next or whether you're doing the right thing and then you invest so much time and energy and sometimes it's not received the way you think it's going to be received so there's so much like it's like the shadow side of creativity and it's uh i think it's really important because we'll often look for validation outside of ourselves and i think that's what brings the shadow up because when we're when we're in our flow and i know this from years and years of theater when i was in the flow some of my best shows we might have only had and I used to say this to my cast yeah. it doesn't matter if there's 10 in the audience or there's 300 it, it makes no difference perform for you yeah and it, you know I think I remember one of the best shows we ever did with a with a group I was working with I think we had three people in the audience we had a cracker of a show and we loved it I was just gonna say the and, and and yeah it was amazing and I've done big performances in the Aviva Stadium for you know huge events and different things and for ambassadors coming to ireland and for you know all differing sizes of audiences and it doesn't matter it's about i learned over the years it's of zero relevance what anyone else thinks it's what i think so i managed to get that on stage and i managed to get that with my writing but there's so many other creative endeavors that really i struggled to believe in myself with absolutely and I think it's a thing that every artist at some point because it, your art we tend to take it personal don't we we do our expressions. we do we take it very personally because it is it often comes from if it's authentic it can come from a really deep place and that going into the depths of the self and pulling it out to express it yeah there's a moment of gosh How's this going to be received? I mean, don't you find that when, when you're writing a song? Absolutely. Well, that's exactly it. The first, I suppose the first step is watching it come through, and then you're working on it, but then afterwards you're kind of going, okay, well, how do I take, what direction am I going to take? Do I feel like this is going to work? Or but what are the other people going to think? And you're always taking into consideration the, I suppose, reception of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and your own reception of it. Yeah, like, absolutely. It's funny, I have no qualms about my writing i really like my style of writing because uh, stephen king uh says you know write what you know so i write what i know and i enjoy what i write because i write for what i'm not getting in the market so i enjoy what i'm writing but yet i'm quite um 
I'm quite uh, an accomplished artist, like with drawing and stuff. No, none of my drawings will ever be good enough. I give the, I have almost none in the house. I give them all away. Oh yeah, I just don't. You know, I can do quite fine illustration, and I, I just don't because I don't believe in it. I, mm. I struggle with it. I feel, I get almost like anxiety in my stomach, and which means it's obviously something that I, I love. Yeah. and probably should do more of but that's where I started to notice okay interesting and then as I changed careers I would notice this would come up this anxiety this fear this stepping into the unknown and am I good enough and and then when you start digging deeper and deeper into creative stuff what it can dredge up inside you because in order to tap into what you're doing and I'm sure you would find this especially it's a healing, it's, it's a healing it is, process it is yeah. a healing process and and sometimes that breakthrough can come at a little bit of a cost to you and your your mental health very true mm. very true I suppose uh, who said it I think it was a quote somewhere it depends what you're willing to sacrifice isn't it to bring something to the light yeah and that's so true because you do you do give a little piece of yourself a little piece of your soul goes into your work and it can get really um troublesome not <laughs> troublesome's not the right word but if i don't stay clear for me mm -hmm. about what i'm doing it, it can trigger like there's been times where say i've finished a huge project and i end up making jokes about it but i used to go into pro post-show depression mm. i could be three weeks utterly depressed because you'd hit such a high yeah absolutely. and you'd crash afterwards yeah. Yeah. you'd crash because you'd be on such a high engaging with all these people creating this show that then would be really well received and you'd get all of this praise and then everything would stop everyone would disappear it's, it's like a death that's exactly it yeah, it is it is exactly like it. a death and it would be really challenging and then eventually i learned to just understand oh it's just a cycle mm -hmm. and it would move on and then I would find as I started to, say, explore um, other art forms, uh, I, I would get challenged, like singing. <clears throat> I just, I, I can't, I just can't go there. I just don't know where it pulls out of me, but it brings up something very primal in terms of terror and fear. And this is somebody who's sung on stage. <clears throat> I can sing as another character. If, if you dress me up as Pocahontas and get me to sing colors of the wind grand no worries i'd probably give it a good shot but if you get yeah. me to stand up as susie and that's when i started to really mm -hmm. see the vulnerability in our creativity so absolutely i think you're so right on that and do you think as well there's a question for you parts sometimes of your expression let's say on the various mediums maybe i suppose art singing dance are some aspects do you believe just for We'll say just for me, just for you, and then others are meant to be for others, or what? Do you, what's your? That's actually an there? amazing question. It's an amazing question because it makes me think about say when I was uh, dancing and a dance practitioner. Okay. A lot of my f most favourite choreography was for me. It, oh, okay. it was for me that then was presented to an audience because that was part of the process. Uh, there was a piece I did called titled Broken Doll and it was the idea of what happens when we're in a toxic love affair and how you can come out broken 
yeah. in the end Absolutely. and crushed and but you were a puppet on the string mm. the whole time you were in there um and there i knew my dance partner and i had hit that moment where we got the piece because we did a rehearsal one day and the pair of us mm. burst into tears we pushed such a powerful place of digging deep into the passion mm. that we'd finished performing our our rehearsal and we both sat down and wept is that like you know the way we're method acting and things like that i know heath ledger as well and recently um the elvis movie what's it austin i think austin butler i think is that the oh, actress i name am is. i'm the worst person um, to ask about these i think i could be wrong or right there but who recently played um the lead um elvis in the new elvis movie and how he really really embedded and immersed himself in the character i think he went on for six months where he saw no family and just studied Elvis all day long, listened to his music to the point where it actually changed his voice. Do you think that when you're getting into, let's say, particularly with acting, when you're getting into that place and digging in, do you find, do you pull it from, ex does people pull it from experience or do you think it's a big thing we project? It's a bit of both, actually. Uh, a lot of my characters, say when I was, was on stage or when I was creating a character, were drawn from experience or okay. from people I'd observed. So it would be a bit of both. Um, in situations I had uh, I had observed, but there's a number of roles where, like for instance, uh, one of the last plays I did was in 2019 in in the Galway um, Town Hall Theatre, yeah. and it was Blood Wedding, which is a classic Spanish play, and mm. I had two roles, so I spent the whole first half of the play as the Spanish maid to the bride. And it was fun. It was an interesting as where, you know, I had to sing uh, on stage and lead people into song, which I found uh, quite challenging, but it was fun. So she was quite whimsical and passionate and a fiery little Spanish, you know, beauty. But then in the second half of the play, I was deaf. Okay. So I went, and that was an interesting role to embody um, because it was about creating a sense of ominous not necessarily terror but enough that I know I got interesting comments in the audience afterwards wow. yeah because I I would come on stage in that character from out of the audience and no one would expect it and so curious. yeah and so I looked I and it was almost quite a almost kabuki style costume where I had uh, this big black kimono on. Did you have a black? Um, I had bird a well. yeah, yeah, big black flower and bird hairpiece on, and uh, it it terrified a number of people, and and it was. But I really embodied it, and I yeah. know that that was one of the comments I got. You just it it was like you couldn't tell whether I was. It, you know, was I channeling the spirit of death or or not? So it was, and then I, like I've played the role of a six-year-old child that was racially abused, and there were people on stage. Like when I got off stage, cause I was six months pregnant. Nobody knew, and I went out into the the bar afterwards, and yeah. people were like, "Oh my gosh, you're pregnant!" We thought we genuinely thought you were like a little six-year-old child up there. So I, but I was taking from my own experience yeah. and what had happened to me as a child. So I think it's also how you embody mm. what's going on. And I guess the same thing happens in the creativity process. How are we embodying it? Is it bringing up triggers? And if it is, maybe we need to put the 
creativity down for a bit and go and look at what's being triggered because it's a powerful process it's a cleansing it's a cleaning it's a pulling out and i don't think there's enough understanding given to that that deep process of a of a creative who whether they're creating a, a painting or a song or they're creating a show or a dance piece or or a piece of writing that's very personal or a piece of poetry there's a process and it, you dig deep Absolutely. you really dig deep into that and it can bring up a lot of that like I said before the shadow yeah. that shadow stuff that comes up and takes us to places that are sometimes unwanted and uncomfortable and difficult and and if we're not attentive can leave us in a state that's unproductive and then you begin to hate yourself because you, you might get depressed and you can't move for a week and then you get angry at yourself you, you don't think you're good enough so all of this stuff comes up you start to doubt your self-worth you start to doubt your value and what you can offer you start to doubt that you have anything to give anyone why are you even doing this mm. so that that that's a lot of what went on in the background of of everything i did and you know, sometimes wondering, should I pull away or should I not do this? And and in the end, I decided to step away from that highly creative atmosphere because it was becoming, not so much for my self-esteem, but it was becoming quite damaging for my psyche and for the energy levels in my body because of how much you have to give. You have to give it all as much as you Yeah, to. yeah. And as I got older, like I'm, I'm 50, and I just, I was just like, oh, I think it was even... Like nearly seven years ago where I started to feel like I, I don't know if I can do this anymore wow. it's just too much too much too much pulling out of me yeah too much I mean I'd been creating stuff for stage since I was 12 mm. so there'd been so much coming out of me and I'd been creating art and dance and reinventing myself and 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 even when we say make a big move that's a creative process huge yeah. huge Massive, massive. Say you wind down something Mm. and move on to something else. That's a creative process. And if you'll be excited, but crossing any threshold is also terrifying. And depending what your relationship is with fear and your flight or fight response in your body is and your how your nervous system responds and past traumas you may have can all come to the fore, whether you're consciously aware of them or not. Absolutely, I suppose identity as well, because sometimes we do associate our identity with our creative role. Yeah. And swapping, because you do yoga and all these other things now, and that's another creative physical form as well of movement. And that's what I had to realise, my creativity was challenged, channelled into something else, but Mm -hmm. it was hard, it was really hard to walk Mm -hmm. away from the theatre, and it was really hard to walk away from the music therapy I was doing with special needs, because I'd been doing that for 16 years. It was really hard to, to... you know, start saying no to workshops and summer camps Mm -hmm. and just like, I don't want to do this. I really would, and this is going to sound a little bit harsh, but it's to the point where it's like, I'd honestly possibly rather pull one of my teeth out myself than give a theatre workshop. Yeah, yeah, it's too much, yeah. Yeah. I think we all hit that phase of burnout sometimes, I think, and then we need something new. Yeah. It's like, and this is the thing, it revitalizes the body, doesn't it? It does, and that's where the yoga, I get to do a lot of creativity, and I get to mix my archaeology in, and then bringing in the Lomi Lomi massage, I get to have this beautiful cultural influence from Hawaii, and, and, do, and it's like a dance when mm-hmm. I do Lomi Lomi, it's not a normal massage, so 
I'm dancing, so I'm still dancing. I'm still Just teaching. Way, yeah. I'm still performing because as a teacher, we're always performing, especially if, as a yoga teacher. I think to have a good yoga class, you've got to have a certain persona to really engage your audience because they're there not only to to learn, but they're there to experience what you have to offer. Yes, so it's enjoyment. Yeah. Actually, that's what you always deliver a class that's full of joy. Yeah, it is full of joy. <laughs> Absolutely. And just another question I want to ask as well about for women um, and any listening in, and particularly men as well, when it comes to career change, what do you think would be the best tip to how to approach that? Because I know there's particularly someone listening in at the moment and he asked earlier on, you know, about career change and how did you, how did you approach that? Uh, initially with a lot of fear yeah. and doubt. Mm-hmm. And... I will hum and har and probably go into a state of anxiety for for a while and then I do my research and then I just do it I just it it's a process where I just eventually rip off the band-aid sometimes there's a little bit of an overlap like I know with the yoga and the theater there ended up being a little bit of an overlap and then we had that mad pandemic and it just went straight into yoga because all that other stuff shut down, I was never so grateful for something in my life because it gave me that opportunity to just close everything off once and for all and never have to go back. But you just got to make a decision and do it and it doesn't matter if you fail because I know before I was doing this yoga, I spent a year making kimonos and blending oils and thinking I was going to have some great online retail business. Mm. Actually, no, I'm, I'm meant to do yoga I meant to do the lomi lomi so I'm actually in the process of winding all that down once and for all shutting down the website and doing all of that so it wasn't a failure but it was a learning curve so just don't be afraid to take a chance and I just found as I got older that was the only thing that interfered because when I was younger oh I'd just go and do it I'd be like "Eh, I don't want to do this anymore I'm going to go do something else and off I'd go and then I got children and and I still would go well I don't want to do this anymore but I'd I'd ease my way into something else because Mm -hmm. I had responsibilities and then you know at the age I am now you know like 47 three years ago where I was just like I'm going to do something completely different oh Mm. I got terror but I'll tell you now it's not ever too late ever I will no longer be afraid to reinvent myself at 60 at 70 yeah. and if I'm still working at 80 I'll do it then as well <laughs> but at the, ra- at the rate you're going and uh, Susie looks so young so at the rate you're going you will be going well on after a while <sighs> but can you tell us just before we go head off um, flip it you developed these flip it sayings so it's can you tell us about that oh yeah. <laughs> flip it <laughs> yes uh, we're talking about the world according to flip it yeah Okay, so <laughs> I love this. Okay, so this is what else will help anyone wanting to change their career. So, and you can use your imagination about what the word flip really is representing here. <laughs> but the world according to flip and the five flips we should give. So the first flip is flip it. That's when we're standing on a threshold. And we go, mm, do we do it? I don't know. Should I go? Should I stay? What should I do? And you panic and you go, oh, I don't know if I should be there or not. And then you stand there on that threshold and you go, ah, flip it. And off you jump. And that can lead to an either flip yeah or flip no. So the next one then is flip yeah. Flip yeahs are these moments where we have in, the, in our days where it could be our cappuccino in the morning. Flip yeah, this is amazing. 
or the lottery ticket, the one year fiver. Flip, yeah, this is great. Or uh, something fell into place at work. Flip, yeah. So we want to get as many of those flip, yeah moments as we can as many as you can and they start to join up more and more and more and so it's about seeking the flip air and the joy so then the next one then is oh for flip sake so the flip sakes are the things that we do that will lead to flip years and perhaps some flippets they're things like the school run the grocery shop they always have a good payoff in the end a career change there could be a sort of oh for flip sake but it always leads to something amazing even say if a relationship has to change or uh, something happens at work and there's a change it could be oh for flip's sake but it's okay something good comes out of it and then the next two are the most important if anything makes you feel flip no listen because it's usually your gut you know drill into it and make sure it's not just a knee-jerk reaction but if your gut is going oh flip no that's not for me walk away and the same thing goes for flip you if anyone makes you feel like oh well flip you ask why that's coming up and i feel like those five flips are the five flips we need to give to give us a good authentic happy life and can help us transition into any career and move through any fear because i know since i've been living by the five flips we should give uh my life just keeps getting better and better and my authentic self gets clearer and clearer and I'm able to communicate to people what they they what I need in an authentic moment with grace and with peace and with with love and and joy so yeah and if you could see her here guys at the moment <laughs> you can see the joy she's happy and you can see she's living and that's the thing is I suppose creatives we go through so much it's like the hero's journey isn't it it is the hero's yeah. journey it is a hundred percent because you, you the struggles you go through and unless you're creative people don't always understand it but it is it is intense it is a it's like it is it's like jumping off a cliff sometimes <laughs> yeah and you keep jumping off it, isn't and it? you just keep going and you go yeah. why am i doing this and your head hurts and you're you're exhausted but you, you jump again and you love it yeah yeah <laughs> and it, again as, it, as we say it writes the story yeah and I believe as well, if people want to check out Serpents and Saviors, where can they purchase the book? Oh, yes. Well? So my book, Serpent and Saviors, is on Amazon.co.uk. And I'm currently trying to, well, not trying, I will. It's just going a bit slower than I thought. I'll have them in bookshops locally very soon. Fantastic. Uh, within the next month is the plan. They'll be in bookshops locally. Uh, so that you don't have to go onto Amazon. Uh, so yeah, and there's a, there's another book coming up as well. It's a contemplation on love. So it's it's a very different book than my novel. Uh, but it just it was something I've been thinking about for the last year and a half, and I decided to write about the journey. It's very short, but it's this idea of what is love, and what does it mean to us, and how does it show up in the world for us. So and again, it's it's something we all need. It was. We talked earlier on um, to Kate about connection. That yeah. really, truly, it comes back to connection. And I think because we want information more and more and more now, I think we've let love become a little bit tangled Absolutely. and misunderstood. And I feel like bringing back some authenticity to, to the concept and to the meaning behind it. We've lost a lot of meaning in our mm. words. And as a wordsmith, oh, my God. They are spells. They're beautiful mm. spells that we speak, which is why I try and use my words for the most part as carefully as possible and as gently as possible. But, I mean, we're all humans. So every so often, yes, I slip. But I try my best to always 
go gently, gently. So, Susie. But thank you so much, Susie, for coming in and telling us and I suppose having that beautiful dialogue with me here about creativity and love and yeah. passions and the ebbs and flows of an artist. Our last track of the evening is Request sent in from Sean and this one is Bastille Icarus and um, you'll know this story of Icarus Yes, <laughs> I do know the story of Icarus and this is a perfect song to finish off the show but that said, don't ever be af afraid to just shoot for the stars because as they say, yes. what's the worst that'll happen? You'll land in the clouds? This is it, isn't yeah. it? Uh, for, I suppose for the artist it's the balance isn't it? It isn't even and for the artist I think for anyone, it doesn't mm. matter what you do if you're an accountant and you decide you want to become a retail manager do it yeah. if if you are a dog groomer and you suddenly decide you want to go and work for super value do it if you are mm. a professional and you want to take a year out and work in starbucks do it just mm. do what your heart is calling you to do and that's it and not be afraid to be versatile yeah. yeah yeah you can keep reinventing yourself exactly i love it because you never know where it leads this is it and if you <laughs> want to contact Susie for yoga or other. Uh, <laughs> where, I'm on Instagram. It's you? at Susie Savannah. So S U Z I S A V A N A H. So that's Instagram and Facebook. And you recently just said even your Instagram now. You recently changed. Yeah. So I've wound down Synergy and Light. Uh, it's it'll it's it'll take a couple of weeks, but it's, so it's most of it's Susie Savannah. So S U Z I S A V A N A H. Lovely guys. So do go follow her on Instagram. She's on Facebook. And soon coming to YouTube. And TikTok. And TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> We're going viral with TikTok. Thank you so much, Susie, for popping in today. You're no an worries. absolute joy to have in studio.